Guys, welcome back to the Insons Podcast. We are back in the studio recording new content for the coming year. But in the meantime, we're not going to give you that stuff. We're going to tantalize you. We're going to tease you. And we're going to offer a few final thoughts from the past. Yeah. You know how in 2020 they told you all these cool movies were going to come out and they rolled the trailer and then they said, psych. And then six months later they did it again and I fell for it again. Yeah. Like Dune. Wonder Woman. 007. The other one that looked good. That one. Tenet came out. Loved Tenet. I didn't see it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Sam hasn't seen a movie in theaters in like 10 years, everybody. Yeah, so um, donations to Sam's movie fund. Welcome. I'll set up a GoFundMe. Put it in the show notes. Be right next to the person that actually needs it. We are. We are coming back uh, in the new year with new episodes, but this is the second half of a conversation that we began last week around Advent uh, pushing into fulfilled and unfulfilled desire and what's available in this season. I think you guys are going to dig it. In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. but Everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. I begin to think about the longing in Advent. And I can't help, I just, I always think of the shepherds that the angels appear to on the night of Jesus' birth and go, it's interesting that based on their reaction and we know from sort of background context, they knew what angels were and this probably wasn't the first encounter they'd ever had with an angel given the worshipers of angels and the cults of angelic whatever that were happening all around them. But it just went, wow, you are an heir of the promise. You're Jewish. And the last prophet of exile disappeared four freaking hundred years ago and we haven't heard anything and all of these apocalyptic events have come and then here he is. And literally, I just love in the organization of the Old Testament, the last things in the last book of the Old Testament are the one you want is coming. I will come. Turn the page, New Testament. Turn the page. Here's the genealogy of Jesus down to Joseph. And it's like, oh my gosh. And we need to do that again and just look at where are we exactly? Wow. We're at the end of 2,000 years, which is so annoying that Peter says thousand years is like a day to him and a day is like a thousand yeah, years. I don't particularly like that. Don't I think, I think that's that? where I got the, the Aslan, I call all times soon thing. And it's just... <sighs> The dude is coming, and what we're expecting is, wouldn't it be great if this year on Christmas Jesus came back? Wouldn't it be great if the day after Christmas he came back? My birthday shortly after that, that would be a great day for Christ to return. And to look around going, wow, our post-apocalyptic world is calling 
Jesus. And he's not situated in the past, but it is like the blowing of Susan's horn in the book Prince Caspian, where it's like, you're calling the king out of the high past. Like, you are calling this person in this season of waiting. And so many of the things built into it intensify, you know, that experience. Like, if you do Advent, you will learn very quickly that on sort of a rotation, the four Sundays of Advent have readings. And depending on what year it is, there's a different set of readings from the Bible, but they correspond to common themes that relate to the themes of that first day. First Sunday, hope. First Sunday, patriarchs. Expectation of Christ's second coming. And one of the readings is from Jeremiah. It's really short, and it's just this one. It's from Jeremiah 33. The days are coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah shall be safe and Jerusalem shall dwell secure. This is what they shall call her, the Lord, our justice. Cool little excerpt. Important thing to know about where that's situated inside the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an anthology of writings from the priest Jeremiah inside Jerusalem, who the first part of the book is going, Israel, you broke covenants, and it happens to be a reality of living in this universe that a broken covenant has consequences in the same way that a two-by-four is just a two-by-four. So it's like a wonderful thing. If you try to swing it at someone's head, it stays hard. It's awesome that we can make promises, and if promises are broken, they have consequences. It's telling them, you guys have started burning your kids in fires to the god Moloch and I told you we agreed that you would not do that so that my presence could stay among you. And here's what's going to happen now. And Jeremiah is pointing to the north going, there's Babylon and they're coming. And he's right. Babylon is on its way. Jeremiah is going to see the siege of Jerusalem. And he's talking about the exile that all Israel is going to be taken into. And then this, there's this little section in sort of the 30s to 40s in Jeremiah where it goes, but even though the kings of Judah are going to be functionally erased. Like, let's just think of Joseph of the line of kings, and he's a construction worker. So it would be like the guy who's, you know, across the street from you, who is a great guy with a carpeting business, and you go, oh, that's the, you know, that's the descendant of King Arthur. And you go, what happened to the kingdom of King Arthur that that's the descendant of King Arthur? I mean, he's a great guy, but where's his castle? Jeremiah goes, the kings are going to be gone, but then suddenly out of them, it's going to come this person. And he's speaking into the middle of exile and into the middle of darkness, saying this thing is coming, which Hala also happens to be our position in this age where we're like, yes, Christ has come. Yes, living in the kingdom is one of our options and everything really can be different. And we are in the middle where Jesus goes like the lightness and darkness will grow up together. The one not being trimmed down. Like this is that we in weeds thing where it goes, there's a lot of crap, you know, going on. Like yesterday was the due date of our like daughter that died during pregnancy. And that is an advent reality going, Jesus come into this spot. Like I'm expecting you here and I'm expecting the full restoration 
that is only available upon your return. And you have promised to return. Yeah, I think for me, that's the value of doing Advent. If it's not hitting you yet, the story of Christmas does get wrapped up in tinsel and mistletoe and Bing Crosby songs. And it does become a season of stress, anxiety, and consumerism. Even at its best, it becomes something past tense, a past celebration. And the power of stepping into these stories and stepping into (laughs) what these hopes are is that it cannot help but trigger ways that you are thinking about it now or are not thinking about it now because it is the same. The same story hasn't ended. The same story is still unfolding. And as an aside, I love watching Anthony Bourdain at his CNN shows on Netflix, Parts Unknown. In the past, it feels like the seasons have been very like explorative and exploratory, inviting and checking out these new places and diving in. The last few seasons, and I, I don't know if it's now colored because of his suicide, but the last few seasons, and I'm coming to the end of what they filmed, the story begins to kind of feel dark. The places that he goes, the, the messages of the people, whether it's Puerto Rico or Seattle, or uh, there's just this tone to the world that does not sound far off from what you just read. And I'm watching the show to kind of get transported off to faraway places and imagine foods I have not eaten. And there I am kind of going, what is this season about? Like, what is going on in the world? What do I do with them? And where do I situate them? Because they will either be too much for me to grapple with the loss of a daughter and honoring the due date, the loss of friends, the loss of just all of the things that this year has held. And though we are not... So we're not, because we're not liturgical, it is the end. And we are kind of do look back on the last 12 months and go like, what? And it almost is like being punch drunk. It's almost like being, it's so much for the heart and soul that there can be this like dizziness that comes and a dissociation with the story. And Advent is the invitation to reorient and remember and name and put things back in the bookshelf that have all gotten sort of knocked out of the, uh, that without it, I think we'll continue being punch drunk and we'll continue being unaware of what we do when we're gassing people at the border. And when you're dealing with loss, it just kind of all piles up and you go shopping. Right. So Advent, is the smelling salts. It starts like the beginning, well, the chronological beginning. That's really book two of the Aeneid. It starts with the fall of Troy, where Aeneas has great line of, like, my friends, speaking to his men, sort of the last coherent band inside Troy as it's getting destroyed. My friends, desperate warriors who have tried in vain. You see how stands the fate of our affairs, Our gods are gone. Let's go die in battle. The Advent celebration starts sort of spreading the arms, go, here is the state of our affairs, and list whatever you like. Whatever apocalyptic feature of our moment, whether national or personal, you see going on. And then it goes into the story, and it goes, once upon a time, 
there was a wily desert warrior surrounded by elite fighting men whose name was Abram. And after we don't know how many years of being mysterious and hidden, the uncreated God appeared and made a promise with him to restore all humanity through his descendants. And you go, whoa, that's interesting. And then here's how the story unfolded and here's what happened. And then it goes, and then, and then, and then all of his descendants and their people, you know, and then the ark was taken to war and lost forever. And no one knows where it is. And then everyone in Israel was taken into the great Persian empire of Babylon. And that's where they were when the first part of the story ended. And then we start the, but God was going to become incarnate in the way that he promised the savior that you are longing for will come to you. Go, and he came. And the thing that makes our lives meaningful now is actually not some false uh, separation between his two comings, but the union of his coming once that orients us in desire towards his coming again. And that's where Bart go, this is Advent faith. Advent faith is the faith that understands we are directed and we are hopeful because we understand that the two comings of Christ can only be read together. Thank you.